Welcome to the Southridge Church Podcast. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we want you to stay connected with us. You can find us on sanjose.cc or subscribe to the podcast. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Welcome, welcome. If this is your first time at Southridge, we are honored and thrilled to have you in our services. If this is your first time, maybe you received a Connect card on your way in. We'd love for you at any point in our service to take that card and to fill it out with as much information as you want to share with us. And maybe you have a prayer request. Maybe you want to join a ministry team or maybe there's something that uh, we can help you. We want to stay connected with you. And this week, one of our leaders will follow up with you or you can download our Southridge app and stay connected that way as well. So we're so glad that you're here. Looking forward to what great things God's going to do in our services. But let's just open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this opportunity to be together in this place. Lord, we thank you that you are worthy. We thank you for all your goodness that you've poured out on us. Father, we are just so grateful. We pray your Holy Spirit would descend in this place that you take the word of God and bury it deep into our hearts. May we be forever changed by this message. I pray that you would bless these, my church family. I pray that you do a great work in their life. We ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, well, we're in a new series. Take your Bible, if you would, to the book of John, chapter number 13. John 13. We're going to be looking at a passage of scripture together together as we finish up a series entitled Discipleship. And it's a topic that has been of great importance. And we said in week number one, we said that discipleship is vital and needs to go viral in the church. Week number two, we said that discipleship is really about following the follower. It's not follow the leader, follow the follower. Because Jesus said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So we should be able to look to you and be able to follow you because you are following Christ. We should look to you to see, okay, that's how marriage should be. All right, that's how raising children should be. Oh, that's how a Christian testimony should be by your example. That's, that's what a disciple is. And then last week we said, what hinders discipleship? It's our idols become the rival to discipleship. And when it comes to this idea of discipleship, our church, like so many churches, has done a great job of reaching the lost and losing the found. And too often we can kind of assume that it's enough to see people make a decision for Christ, but that's half the work. It's not just that we want to see people make a decision for Christ, we want them to become disciples of Christ. Uh, when my children were born, one of the first things the nurses and the doctors said, they told us that you're going to bring your baby back in three days. We were like, okay, we're going to bring our baby back. And they were said, yes, we're going to check to see if the baby's healthy. And then you're going to come back in a couple weeks. And then you're going to come back again in a couple months. And that first year was constant checkup appointments. Why? They wanted to make sure our children were healthy. They took measurements of their head. They stripped them down, put them on a scale. They wanted to see, are they losing weight? Are they gaining weight? You know, they wanted to find things out. Then they do this little chart, this little graph to see how healthy your child is. In the church, we don't often do that, do we? It's like, oh, you're saved? Great, excellent, you're on your own. There's no follow-up, there's no check-in, there's no, hey, what are you learning from God? What do you have questions about? What would you like to learn? You see, it's not just decisions and no discipleship, it is both and. 
It's you make a decision for Christ, but then you become a disciple of Christ. It's both of them together. And our church is once again putting an emphasis on the discipleship portion. And so this week, though, we need to conclude this series by asking the question, what does a disciple do? And to answer that question, we need to go to the book of John. So if you have a copy of God's word, go to John chapter number 13. John chapter number 13. And we're going to look at just two verses, and then we're going to kind of pull out some truth out of this passage. In John 13, verse 34, scripture says, a new commandment I give to you. Now, this is not the idea that Jesus is not trying to convey that, hey, you had the 10 commandments and I'm going to give a whole new one. No, he's saying, let me give fresh life to something. Let me give some fresh life to something that I need you to know that's always been there. He said, I give you this new commandment that you love one another. You're like, ah, I get that. Okay, love one another. But how do I love one another? He says, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. He repeats love one another twice in that verse. And then in verse 35, he says this, and this is what's so radically important. By this will all know that you're my disciples. Wait. This is how everybody's going to know that we're disciples? Well, that's what we want to be. That's what our whole series has been about. This is great. Jesus is going to answer the question for us. This is tremendous. All right, what is it, Lord? Do I need to go on a missions trip? Do I need to build a building? Do I need to love my spouse better, raise my kids? You know, bet against the Celtics to win in the series? Like, what do I got to do, God? Like, come on, give it, give it to me. And God's like, it's easy. If you, this is how everybody's going to know you're a disciple. If you love you're like, okay, if I love my spouse, oh, come on, baby, let's go on a date night tonight. It's going to be good. No, if you love one another. That's powerful. Because we in the church, we're really good at loving the lost and the least and really good at treating each other the worst. It's amazing. The first time you came to Southridge, you were like, oh, I love this church. Man, they gave me a gift. They followed up. They sent me an email. They sent me a card. They gave me a text message. This church really likes me. And then you start being a part of Southridge for a little bit. You start serving. And then somebody says, my coffee's not hot enough. It's too cold. There's not enough donuts. Now my seat got taken. And then we start to kind of complain. You're like, what happened to the love and acceptance? Where did it go? It just kind of left. You see, Jesus is trying to help us. He's saying, this is how everybody else is going to know you're a disciple. It's not what you do for them. It's what you do for each other. And that's powerful. Think about that. Jesus is saying, it's not what you do for them. It's what you do for each other. That will be the mark that you're a disciple. It's how you treat not the people outside of this room, but the people in this very room. How you love them, respect them, are kind to them, show deference to them, prefer them, honor them, support them, lift them up, pray for them, and minister to them. That will be the mark that you or a disciple. That's powerful. But here's the problem. You and I struggle with that, don't we? We're like, are you sure there's not another way? You see, Jesus told us to love them. You see, love is not a feeling, but an attitude in action. Let me ask you a question. What is the name of the basketball team that plays in San Francisco, but for a time was in Oakland? What's that name? Warriors, thank you, thank you, all right. Okay, what is the name of the basketball team that's from Boston that is playing the Warriors? Celtics, Celtics. okay, all right, there we go. Uh, what is the name of the store we go and we buy our water bottles and our toilet paper in bulk? 
Costco, there we go, okay, all right. Well, what is the place where uh, this company, they are named after a fruit and they have a lot of technological gadgets? Apple, Apple. okay, all right. What is this place right here? Southridge, okay, some of you are like the hotel, Southridge. Yeah, you got it right, Southridge, that's right. It's Monday through Saturday, it's a hotel, but Sunday, it's a, it's a church. We, we just take over the whole place. It's a church. It's interesting. Everything in life is known by a name. You and I are known by a name. Somebody today, they said, Micaiah, your name's too hard, so we're going to call you Mock. I was like, okay, sure. You know, I've been called worse, so I'll take it. You know, I was like, I was worried you were going to say something else, but I will take it. You know, my name's too hard, sure. I'll shorten it, abbreviate it. It's all good with me. Here's what's interesting. Jesus doesn't give us a name to be known by, does he? As a matter of fact, he says, here's how everybody's going to know you. Here's what your reputation's going to be. You're not going to be known by a name. You're going to be known by what you do, and what you do is love. Jesus never named his group or his followers. In Acts 13, it was other people that named Christians Christians. Jesus never gave us that name because he didn't want us to be known by an association, but by actions. Jesus wanted people to know you, not because of who you're associated with, but because of your actions. Jesus wanted people to look at you and say, I think you're, you're a, man, you kind of look like Jesus. I, I don't know a better word. I'm just going to call you little Christ because you're just such a good person. You're so kind. You're so loving. And Jesus says, that's going to be the difference maker in the church. It's that when people look at you, they see how you treat one another and they say, man, that's awesome. Think about this. Could it be that Southridge grows and it's not because of the preaching, it's not because of the worship, it's not because of the espresso card, it's not because of the greeters, it's not because of anything else, but it's because of how you love the person next to you. Because that's how Jesus intended it to be. We join places for the benefit I'm a part of Costco because apparently I need my toilet paper in bulk and I just want bunches of extra toilet paper in closets and storage places. And I want to be able to to just ride out another pandemic and have a bunch of toilet paper. So I'm part of Costco. And apparently I get a lot of bottled water there too. Everybody buys two things from Costco, toilet paper and bottled water. That's in every cart, you know, whether you need it or not. You're like, let's just get some. You never know. But you're a part of places for the benefit. What is the benefit of being a part of Southridge? You ever thought about that? Jesus said the benefit should be because how well people love you. That should be the benefit of how well you're cared for, of how well you come to this place and people are excited to see you. And it's genuine. It's like the old Cheers TV show where everybody knows your name. Everybody wants that. They want to be known and loved and cared for. But too often we want love to say as a feeling and an attitude, but really love is an attitude in action. And that's what Jesus is driving here. The uh, famous historian Tertullian, he said this, that the early church, he said, look how well they love each other. See, we've got it wrong. Too often we're told, hey, let's love the lost and the least. Jesus said, no, 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 no. You want to change the world? Love each other. And isn't that harder? It's easier to love people you're only going to see once because you could fake it for a little bit. But you're like, I got to love this person all the time? All the time, all the time? Like every Sunday? 52 Sundays? Who are you kidding? You're gone some Sundays. It's like 45, all right? Tops, you know? 
You're going to be out of town a couple Sundays. And, and Jesus is saying, come on, love that person next to you so well that they were like, man, I can't wait till Sunday because just how well people love and how well they care about you. And then you want to tell other people, hey, come to this place. They love a person over there. You see, the Greek word for love is agape. This is the highest form of love. And it literally means a feast of love. Jesus is saying, when you show up to your church, it should be like there's a smorgasbord laid out of just love and kindness. That people just love you. They want to be around you. They can't wait to see you. It just makes their day. Their face lights up when they see you. Because there's this feast of love. And I know that's kind of syrupy. And I know that's kind of cheesy. But God is saying, what is wrong with that? That's what the church should be known by. It's sad. Churches are known more for what they're against than what they're for. I mean, you and I already kind of know, like, hey, the church is against certain sins, is against certain things. But what is the last time you felt like, man, this church is really for me? Now, I'm going to say this. The church is for you, but it's not about you. It is for you, but it's not all about you. Our mission is leading people to find and follow Jesus. So we come here, we come to receive, we come to encourage and bless and love on one another. But it still is about reaching those that are not among our community. But we've got to love one another. So touch your neighbor and say, it's not about you, boo. It's not about you. It's not, oh, come on, work with me. I know there's 11 o'clock crowd. I know it's a little bit warm, a little bit toasty. But touch the neighbor and say, hey, it's not about you. Let me show you in this passage. You're still in John 13. Notice if you would. This is the same passage. Notice verse number one. The Bible says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, and wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. You see, Jesus loved his disciples, and his love was not just an attitude. His love became an action. You can't tell me you love the person next to you and not do anything for them. You see, love is something we need to put in action. You can show love for an invisible God by showing love to your visible neighbor. That's what we're called to do. I say it like this. If you are saved, you should serve. Because saved people serve people. We're called to serve one another. The highest form of love is to serve one another. My wife used to say, oh, I don't feel loved by you. And then I'm like, all right, baby. I don't know how to show you. How to feel love. And she's like, that's not it at all. Stop. You know? She's like, you see that big old pile of laundry over there? Show me you love me by washing it, folding it, ironing it, drying it, and separate it, and bleach the right ones, and, and get it all taken care of. That's how I know you love me. And then after you get done with that, you can start with the dishes. And after you get done with that, you can take the kids for a walk. After you get done with that, you can go take the dog. After you get done with that, you can massage my feet. And I say, it's hard to love you. <laughs> wow, you're kind of needy. I like my version of loving you better than your version of loving you. So I'm going to love you my way. And that's what the church does. We love people an easier way. Like, come on, Pastor, can I just throw a couple bucks in the offering and not really have to love anybody? That's just a whole lot more convenient. I'll tell you this. Serving is an inconvenience to my calendar, but it's vital to my calling. 
You and I are called as children of God to serve one another. That's the highest form of love. So the question is, who are you serving? Because we have a culture of consumerism in the church. It's all about me and mine. I need to make sure the temperature's just right. I need to make sure the show is just right. I need to make sure everything is just right. Otherwise, I didn't have a very good church experience. Wait a minute. No, that's, we've missed it. The church is for me, but it's not about me. And so Jesus does something to demonstrate that. You see, love is doing what doesn't come naturally for us. So let yourself off the hook. This is not natural, is it? It's not natural for me when I'm tired and I'm exhausted and I could see my poor precious wife who slaved over three hot kids. You know, she's just like all these third children. And in that moment, say, okay, babe, hey, I'm going to go get some massaging oils. Let me rub your feet. What can I do? What else can I do? Where's the ironing board? Let me help you. Let me serve you. That doesn't come natural. That is unnatural. And doing this is unnatural. But God is saying what is unnatural needs to become natural for the church. Loving is serving. And that needs to become natural. Just naturally happens. Love is doing what doesn't come natural. And so Jesus, he does something to demonstrate that. All the disciples, they sit down at this meal. And in that culture, it was just uncouth. You weren't supposed to walk into a meal without washing your hands and washing your feet. You got to understand those roads are dusty and dirty. And the sandals, leather sandals. Come on, you and I know what our feet are like when we've been in shoes all day. You walk around, you got that dust and you got all that stuff in your shoes. But here's the picture. Here's the picture. The table's not a table you pull up a chair at and you sit at. It's not that type of table. We're thinking, oh, Jesus sat at a table like this and kind of, you know, get the napkin tucked in, you know, get the silverware all ready, and that's how he's going to eat. No, 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 no. The table Jesus sat at was a lower table, and you would actually go more like this. And, oh, stretch. And he'd sit more like this. This is an awkward pose, guys. (laughs) Hello. But you would tuck your feet behind you, but then there would be another person that, you got Peter over here. And he'd be right here. Bartholomew's there. Peter's here. Or actually, Peter and John would be right here. That'd probably be John. And then Jesus over there. But notice his head is closer to the other guy's feet. And nobody washed their feet. I don't know about you, but I don't like feet. I especially don't like smelly feet. I especially don't like smelly feet that also are dirty. It's like you can see Peter looking at John. John, when the last time you treated those things, man? You got claws growing out. Is that a tree root? There's something growing in between. You got some fungus, man. That smells bad. I'm trying to eat here, bro. This is nasty. And that's, and Jesus noticing the situation. And guess what? All 12 disciples were noticing the same thing. Because they all had a discussion. Who's going to be the greatest? But nobody wants to wash anybody's feet. So here they all are just waiting for somebody to do it. Because the lowest was supposed to wash the feet. The lowest was. Remember, Jesus is going to teach. How are you going to know you're my disciples? By the love you show for one another. So what does Jesus do? He says, okay, all right. He actually doesn't say anything. Notice again, verse number four. This is powerful. Church, look at this. Verse number four. So he got up, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist. And you know that is supernatural. Why? Because me, if I have to do something, this is me. Man, you guys didn't do this. And I'd make, I'd, I'd make everybody know that what I'm about to do is an imposition, inconvenience, and I don't want to do it, but look at me suffering. This is my cross to bear. I'm going to serve you, and I'm going to wash your smelly feet. 
But is that what Jesus did? Here's what's powerful. Get the lesson. Jesus sees it, but he says nothing. The church is really good at seeing everybody's problems and saying a whole lot of stuff. Oh, you got this problem. You got this issue. And you need to deal with that. And oh, man, you got all kinds of mess. Sin scars. We know that. Sin soils. Sin separates. Sin breaks things. But the disciples cannot be bothered with your brokenness. They don't want to be inconvenienced by your problems because it's easier to critique and complain than it is to clean. And here Jesus, he says something with saying nothing. He gets up, takes off his robe, wraps a towel around, and just begins to go to town washing feet. Just begins to go one by one, just saying, okay, come here. You guys talk about who's the greatest. Let me give you an illustration. Let me show you that love is doing what doesn't come naturally, and Jesus models it for these disciples. And I'm here to tell you, church, that's the model for love. It's really easy to point out people's problems. It's really easy to say, you need to fix this, and you should do this. People love to come up to me and say, Pastor, I think you should do this, this, and this, and this. And I'm like, oh, that's great. That's a great idea. Why don't you see the need? And take the lead. Just do it. God put it on your heart. Just take that lead. Love that person. Care for that person. See that need. But too often the church is really good at pointing at everybody's sins. Can we just stop and grieve over somebody's sin? Can we just stop and grieve over their brokenness for a moment? Because sin should break our hearts because it breaks people. When you look at somebody who's broken on the side of the road, whose life is messed up, it's easy to want to judge them and say they don't want to work. They just want to feed their addiction. They just want to. It's really easy to do that. But as Christians, we need to stop and say, wait a minute. They are broken by sin. But before we care about that person, we've got to care about the person in this room and say, how am I treating the person next to me? So this is why we've got to be very careful how we treat one another because people will look at our church and say, how do you treat your members? You know, I've been to some services where people come in and then they will in the lobby have a little yelling match because somebody cut them off as they were coming into the parking lot. And I'm thinking, yep, you know, we're people. (laughs) Yeah, we do dumb things, you know. I mean, uh, it just happens. But where's the love that we're supposed to have? Jesus is calling us to have more love for one another than we do for anyone else. And that's why people want to be a part of this place. I'm telling you, these chairs will be full. They'll be lined out the door if we really started loving one another like we should. If we look for opportunities to praise one another, to bless one another. But it's hard because we're going to have to do what Jesus did. Jesus pushed back against his title, his rights. He pushed back against that table. He could have just sat there and been well within his rights. We read the verse and said all authority was given to God. He didn't have to wash their feet, but he pushed back. You're gonna have to push back against some things. You're gonna have to push back a bunch of your ego, your pride, and your rights, and push back against a posture to recline and receive. And that's the posture of most churches. I wanna recline and I just wanna receive. And don't we all, that's why this is unnatural. We all want to do that. We all want to push back and just recline and just receive. Must be nice. But I thank God for some people that say, no, no, I'm going to serve. There were some people, I got here at 745, and there were people already beat me here, and were already setting up signs, cleaning things, cleaning the floor, sanitizing things, getting things set up. They already were serving. There's people serving in the nursery. There's people serving in rich kids. There's people serving right now. As you're listening to the message, they're making sure the sound, the video, and the, the, everything's moving. They're serving so that we can sit and receive. But understand, we can't always sit and receive. We've also got to be serving because serving guards against consumerism. Because it's not all about me. It's not. 
I've got to see the other. Jesus said, he made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. It feels good, actually, to serve one another. It really does. And studies even show that people who experience more happiness, higher self-esteem, and lower stress when they serve others. It's a byproduct of it. Notice this. He, he, he pushed back, but then he put on. He put on a robe to wash them. He put on a robe of humility. Also, he poured out. Yes, serving is going to cost you something. You're going to have to give of your time, treasure, and talents to serve one another. But it's worth it. Here's the thing. As you pour out, that means you have more room for God to pour in. And you and I, we want that. We want God's blessing. We want God to pour more in. We want God to do more in our life. How powerful it is. Notice if you would, in verse number 17, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. I don't know about you, but I want all the blessings of God. Don't you? Say amen if you want the blessings of God. Okay, if you don't want them, I'll take yours. I'm greedy. I will take all the blessings I can get. It's a tough world. I need the blessings. And Jesus is saying, you want the blessing? Serve the person next to you. And that's easy. Look at the size of this crowd. There's 60-something people here. You can serve every person here. You can get to know everybody's name. You can take time with them. You can take them out to eat. You can get to know them. You can pray for them. Wait till the church gets too big to be able to do that. Oh, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, but that's the pastor's job. Is that what the text said? It said, this is how people will know you're my disciples, that you have love one for another. The problem is we want to hire somebody to do what we've been called to do. And we've got to get back to as a church saying, no, 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 I need to know your name. I want to know about you. I want to know how I can pray for you. How can I serve you? How can I show up when life is hard? Hey, call me. Text me when you need a ride. Hey, I'll show up. I'll be there when you're in a trial. I'll be there in a struggle. And then people will be like, man, I love my church family. I can't wait to be at church because they've got my back and I've got theirs. That's the difference about being a part of the household of faith. Otherwise, what are we doing? If we don't care for one another, and I get it, this doesn't come natural. But he poured out. We at Southridge, we serve the poor. We at Southridge, we serve the dropouts. We at Southridge help those who can't help themselves. We at Southridge love those who don't love us. We at Southridge, we like people who aren't like us. That's what we do. And we've got to get back to that. And then when people see that, that testimony, that reputation will spread like wildfire. And people will be like, that's a church I need to be a part of. That's a place that I want to be. Because they love a person there. And their love is real. Their love, it goes beyond any barriers. They care about people. And notice this. Without love, Christianity is all symbols and no substance. It's just cotton candy. Without love, it's all symbols and no substance. You know, it's a sad day and age where people, you'll say you're a Christian, and that means nothing nowadays. It doesn't. As a matter of fact, it's almost like, oh, okay, you're a hypocrite then. I get that way more than I get, oh, man, you're a Christian? Excellent. That means you're going to work hard. You're going to be on time. You're going to be honest. You're not going to rob or take advantage of me. You're going to be a straight shooter. You're going to help me. You're going to get my back. You're not going to be gossiping or, or tearing me down behind my back. Sadly, it means nothing. And let's just be honest. Can I be honest for a moment this morning? That when you say you're a Christian, people don't go, oh, wow, yay. They're almost like very skeptical. Like, I don't know. We'll see. 
If that means any difference in your work ethic, any difference in how you talk and how you treat people, how you think and how you take advantage of people, it doesn't change anything. Because why? We've lost substance and we're all about the symbols. And that's why Jesus didn't want to give us a name. He said, you're going to be known by an action. That action is love. Do you love one another? The apostle Paul wrote, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I'm like a uh, tingling brass or sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. It's just noise. It means nothing. He goes on to say, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could even remove a mountain, but I have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits nothing. It's all about love, my friend. Everything this church does has to be based on love, and it starts with not us loving them, but loving each other. And that's the difference. And that's where our church can grow. That's where we say, yes, I can do that. I can get to know somebody's name. I, I thought it was a powerful testimony. Somebody right after the first service, they stood out there, and they were waiting to get to know your name. And then everybody went to the coffee, and then they went out that way. They were like, man, I stood at the wrong exit. Because I wanted to put the message into practice right here, right now. And I love that. That's what we've got to be. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We're great at just being hearers and not doers. And the church has got to get back to saying, no, no, no. I'm going to love people around me. I'm going to make sure they know that they are loved, that they met me, and I love them. And I will care for them. And I will be there for them. And I'll show up. Jesus knew, get this, that one of these yahoos was going to betray him. And he washed his feet anyway. All 12 of the disciples, he washed all 12. Wouldn't it be something if he was like, oh, Judas, I know what you're going to do. I, no. Man, hey, actually, yeah, I'll wash this. Give me some boiling hot water. Let's burn these feet. Let's do that. And sometimes we do that, aren't we? We're a little bit jaded. We're like, oh, yeah, you want me to wash your feet? Mm-hmm. Crank up that water temperature. I wash your feet. I wash that sin. And we get all up in people's face and we try to beat them with the word of God. Or we have the water so cold, we're so callous. Okay, I'll serve in rich kids. I really hate kids, but okay. Wait, no. Whatever you do, do with your might. Whatever your hand finds to do, do with all your might. Don't serve God with just your leftovers. Say, this is for God. I get to do this. I get to make a difference. I get to impact somebody's life. I can't wait to see somebody this Sunday that I can impact, that I can help them because they may have a rough week and they need some encouragement. Otherwise, we're just noise. Jesus said, I gave you this example to follow. Do as I have done to you. This is a command. Do as I have done to you. You say, okay, pastor, so does that mean I just need to look for people and wash their feet? Yeah, no, it doesn't. He's saying, I gave you an example of loving. You need to go love somebody. Look for people in this circle right here that you say, I, I can love that person. I can show them that they have value and that they matter. See, Jesus said something powerful. And it helps us to realize that we learn by doing. You say, I don't know how to do this. This doesn't come natural. Guess what? Exactly. Nothing comes really natural. We have to learn it. Everything's a learned behavior. You got to learn just like you learn to ride a bike. You learn to read. You learn to spell. You learn to do all these things. Learning to serve one another needs to be a habit. But we learn it by just doing. Just serve. Just say, hey, I'm going to serve somebody. I don't know how. I'm just going to go out of my way to serve. 
And as you serve, you will grow, and you grow by obeying. In verse 17, he says that you may know these things. God will bless you for doing them. God will give you that blessing. So you want to grow? Then obey what God has taught you in this message. Put into practice. We can agree with this, but agreeing has nothing to do with changing your life. It's the application that will change your life. And you've got to say, God, I'm going to apply this in my life. And then finally say, how do I change? We change by loving. By this, we'll all know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. You know, our church started on Sunday, January 26, 2014. Very first Sunday, we met in the Oak Ridge Mall Movie Theater, Theater 7 and 8. That first Sunday was probably the most laughable Sunday service you ever went to. You say, why? Because somebody had donated a bunch of hymnals. I didn't even have money for my house rent or the rent of the theater. And somebody thought, let's buy him some expensive hymnals in a dark theater. And they don't have lights so nobody could see it. And I, and I was just like, man, no, we, nobody used hymnals. We had nothing. Somebody had also donated an overhead projector. I said, oh, welcome to 1968, the overhead projector. All right, this is great. Little, you got some slides here for us or something? I said, no, I need a projector, not an overhead projector. The only thing we had was love. The only thing we had. My friend, it's all we ever have. Are you waiting for a nicer building? Are you waiting for better music? Are you waiting for better facilities? Are you waiting for uh, more pyrotechnics? What are you waiting for? That's not going to do it. If we don't have love, we have nothing. The only thing we've ever had, the only thing we will always have is we are a loving community and we just want to love on each other and we want to care for one another. That's all the church has ever had. We've never had political clout. And I know some people think that's where we will change the world. No, love will change the world. It really will. But yet the church has lost sight of that. Jesus said, everybody will know you, not because you have the fish logo, but because how you treat your wife, how you treat your husband, how you treat your boss, how you treat your fellow church members, how you stop gossiping, how you stop tearing one another down, how you stop cursing somebody out that you don't like them and what they've done. How about you start there, right here in this community. You say, hey, that's my brother, that's my sister, and I care about them because God cares about them. And they're a part of this church family, so I'm going to stand by them. It's all our church has ever had. It's all we ever will have. It's love. It's love that in 2015, we heard of a need in India to build a children's orphanage because there, uh, the human trafficking for children was just through the roof. So we built the Aslan Noel Children's Home. We gave the money to have that built. And there's 85 children that are off the streets and in an orphanage and they're safe and they're getting an education. They're being taken care of. They're being clothed and they're being fed all because of this church. Love did that. We didn't have the money. I wasn't getting a paycheck at the time, but we raised the money to build an orphanage at the time. That's love. It was love that this church said, hey, we're going to fill out San Jose Giant Stadium. We're going to invite 5,000 people to come to our Easter services. Love did that. It's love that said, let's buy 500 Christmas trees around Christmas. Let's give away Christmas trees. We did that our very first year. And we packed out the back parking lot at the Oak Ridge Mall as people came for hours and hours to receive a free Christmas tree. And this past Easter, seven years later, somebody came and said, the first time I came to church is when you guys gave me that tree. I said, man, you're late. Just kidding, I didn't say that. I said, that's exciting. That act of love had an impact that seven years later they remember. 
that tree cost us 25 bucks, but somehow it stayed in her heart. It stayed in her mind. So there's a place that cares about somebody. You say, what's going to make the difference at our church? How are we going to reach somebody? And if you're thinking we've got to have better, it's not about having anything better. It's just about loving. You say, it can't be that simple. It is, my friend. That's all Jesus had. He just had love. We said it last week. Jesus said to the disciple, foxes have a hole, the birds have a nest. I have nothing. But people gave their lives for that man because he loved them. Church, we have nothing but love. And it starts with how we love our family, how we love those next to us. That is the difference maker. It doesn't matter how much you know of this if you don't love anybody. And sadly, there are Christians that know this book better than I do, but are jerks. There's no other way to put it. You know all the theology there is to know, but you're me. There's no love. And Jesus is saying, that's not what my church is supposed to be built on. My church is built on people who love one another, not others, one another. I'm called to love you. I'm not perfect, you're not perfect. But we just love one another and all of our imperfections. And we take it all in stride and we say, God, you built this with love. Love did this. Love will continue to do this. We are the household of faith and we love the lost, the least, and leaders. That's what's gonna be the difference maker. Amen? Can we all stand? church has preached the same message for the last eight years it's not going to change this is what it is if you're looking for an easier way then this isn't the church for you then because this is a church that just says hey we're just going to love I have nothing else to offer you somebody asked me the other day when's the property going to be built I said I don't know doing everything you can takes time Oh, when are we going to get this? I don't know. It takes time. In the meantime, all we have is just love. It's how we care about one another. Can you text somebody and say, hey, I'm praying for you. How are you doing? Want to go grab a bite? Hey, I heard it was your anniversary. I heard it was your birthday. How are things going? I love it. Today, somebody showed me the graduation pictures of their, their last daughter. They finally graduated. I love that. I love celebrating those moments. I love showing up to these moments. Just love. And you can do that too. There's nothing special about me. There's nothing special about you except for the love that we have. And it doesn't come natural. It comes supernaturally. And God changes us. And that's what will change this world. That will change San Jose. If we will say, yep, I'm going to love those next to us. Heavenly Father, Lord, would you help us to be a community that knows how to love one another fiercely? Yeah, we have our problems. Our feet definitely stink. Yeah, we've been soiled by sin a time or two. But God, we come to you. We come humbly. We take off our robes of pride and righteousness and our works, and we just lay it down. And we say, God, we're a hot mess. And we ask you to clean us up. We ask you to fix us up, God, and to help us go to one another. Let them know we care about them. Let them know that we miss them. We want them here. 
that they are loved. That no one should leave and go to somewhere else and say, they love me better over there. Lord, help us to love. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe this morning you're saying, hey, pastor, yeah, help me to pray for me that I would love. It's not always easy. It doesn't come natural. It's unnatural. So I need supernatural help. Is that you, Slip up your hand? Can I pray for you? Oh, God bless you in your honesty. Amen. Amen. Oh, I see that hand. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your honesty. Put your hands down. Heavenly Father, you see these hands. God, they're just humbly admitting. They don't have the ability to love as they should. Because this doesn't come naturally to us. We would much rather just sit and receive. But help us to change our mindset. To care about others. And it just starts with those in this room. God, we need you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. Would you be seated, please? Thank you again for spending time with us today. And a special thanks to those who give generously to Southridge Church. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about Southridge, you can follow us on social media at Southridge Now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with a friend or even take a screenshot and share it on your social story. Make sure you tag Southridge Church and let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again and we'll catch you on the next one.